Well, hey, everybody. Uh, my name's John. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm so glad that you are joining us, however it is that you might be joining us today. Uh, so for those of you that are in the room, uh, that are masked and dealing with the unair-conditioned building, we're glad you guys are here. Uh, for those of you that are at home watching right now live online, uh, glad you're here. Feel free to say hi in the chat if you haven't already. Uh, if you're watching at the lake or if you're watching wherever it is on YouTube, or listening to the podcast, uh, just a cool thing is that you can do church with other people. Church isn't a building, it's not a service, it's not an organization. It's about a group of people taking next steps towards loving Jesus, each other, and the world. And so however it is, wherever it is that you're doing that, uh, we're glad that we can be a part of that journey. Uh, so, you know what a, a bummer is? Uh, a bummer is, is that believing is not enough. Uh, that it's not enough to just simply believe. Uh, and I say that's a bummer uh, because I believe lots of stuff. Uh, there's lots of stuff that I have heard before, that I have read before, that someone has tried to teach me before. And in the process of it, I thought, ah, oh, that's good. That, that, that's right. Uh, I, I think that I 100% agree with that. Uh, it includes uh, things like this. It includes dieting, uh, flossing, uh, going to counseling, uh, budgeting, date nights, Sabbath, uh, sleeping for eight hours a night, having boundaries, and a list of other things that I can tell you 100%, at least in my head, I believe in those things. Um, but here's, here's why it's a bummer. Uh, because, unfortunately, just believing in those things doesn't give me the result of any of those things. Uh, I can, oh, I, I, I agree with dieting so much. Uh, National Donut Day? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely believe you should have, we should have a date night, you know, but like, I'm busy this week and I got stuff going on. Like, it would be great if we did. Uh, my life would be better. But believing is not simply enough. Uh, and here's what stops us from moving from belief, just belief in our head, to action. Uh, it's this word right here, tension, that there's something that stops us. Uh, and here's the picture that I want us to have for today. Uh, has anyone been to a water park before? Uh, people in the chat, feel free to say if you've been, yeah. So when you go to a water park, uh, one of my favorite things that I do at water parks is they'll often have something called the lazy river. Uh, and in the lazy river, you get in a nice little tube like this and you sit, and it's called the lazy river because you literally don't have to do anything. There's a stream, there's a current that will take you all around the water park. I mean, you can take a nap. I mean, you, you can put in zero effort and it will just keep moving you along. Uh, but what I would do... When I was in high school, uh, I lived in Tampa, Florida. We went to a water park a lot called Adventure Island. And my friends and I, we would decide that we want to try to go the opposite way. And so we're going to try to try to walk across. And, and now it becomes not a lazy river at all. It becomes like a super intense river because it's really hard. The stream is like so moving in one direction that to try to go against the, like the, the, the tide, the current, the stream is actually really, really difficult. Uh, and that's the way that it is with most of these things, is that w we believe in these things, but the natural drift of my life, I'm guessing the natural drift of your life, the natural drift of culture is to eat terrible 
is to think flossing is too hard, is to think I don't need counseling, to think I don't need budgeting, you know, well, we'll do date nights later, like I'm so busy for it. The natural drift is to move in this direction. And so therefore, if we're going to decide that we're going to live different, we literally have to like turn against the tide. Uh, the biblical word would be to repent, literally kind of turn around and go a different direction. But as we do, it's just, it's, it, it's hard. Uh, it, it's, it's tense. Uh, and here's why we're talking about this. Uh, for the last few weeks, uh, we've been going through the beginning of this famous sermon that Jesus did called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and in the sermon, he starts with these eight what called the Beatitudes, and each of them start with this idea of here's what it means to be happy. Uh, here's what it means to be blessed. Uh, if you want to have a life that just other people like, it's just a favored life. I, I feel, not, not just like for the moment happy, but like long-lasting joy. Uh, and even, this is a word that maybe we don't like, but it's pretty kind of a good translation of this, a life that other people look at and they think, I just, I wish I had what you had. That, and it's not like I wish I had the stuff, and not that I wish I had the job. It's like the, the relationships that I see you have, the, the demeanor, the peace, like I just— there's something about you that I just, I wish was true about me. And Jesus said, here's the way, if you want to have a life like this, here's what you need to do. And we've been going through these Beatitudes for the last little bit. And so here's a quick uh, refresher on these Beatitudes. The Beatitudes on there. There you go. Oh. Do you have the list of all the? There they are. Uh, so here, here's the ones we've gone through over the last couple weeks. If you want to go back and look at YouTube or the podcast, you can follow up on all of these. Uh, so we talked about the first week. He tells us to be poor in spirit. And the idea behind this is that we are people that are okay admitting that we need help. Admitting that I can't do it all on my own. Uh, I, I, I am not self-reliant. I can't just pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I am, in fact, someone who needs help. Help from my friends help from my family, help from a counselor, uh, help from G. I, I am someone who needs help. Uh, and with that, that we are someone who is okay with admitting that we are not okay. So many times we walk into work, we walk into, you know, any kind of a situation, we feel like I gotta put on, you know, my tough front, you know, and whatever I was struggling with, I can't let anyone know. And Jesus says the way to a happy life is actually admit that you are not okay. Uh, same idea. A lot of us sometimes think that what I need to do is I need to be as impressive as possible. My goal is I want people, when I leave a room, to be like, "Woo! did you see them? Did you see how they looked? Did you see what they said? That was so funny. They are so creative. I, I, instead, to work to be the most unimpressive person in the room and actually to put other people first. Uh, which we talked about that idea of hunger and thirsting for righteousness, which is the idea of hunger and thirsting for right relationships. So instead of wanting more than anything money, instead of wanting more than anything, you know, a certain degree, that the thing we want the most in life is right relationships. I, I, wanna, I want friends. I want a relationship with Jesus, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to there, to hunger and thirst for it. Uh, we talked about the idea of extreme forgiveness, not holding grudges, not being bitter, uh, not make, holding other people to uh, things that they will never be able to pay us back, but instead do extreme forgiveness. We talked about the idea of being pure in heart. Uh, remember we had two jars of water and one was dirty and one was clean. We, said, we all have things in our life that make us dirty. It, we call it sin. It's anger. 
it's worry, uh, it's a, a lust, it's greed. And as long as we have that stuff in our life, we're never really going to be able to see who God is in our life. Uh, and then last week we talked about the idea of being peacemakers. Uh, that when we see violence going on, that our response is not to get violent back and say, you know, you, you got me, I've, but instead to get involved and to be peacemakers in that process. And what all of us know is that these things, while I hope would agree are very, very good, uh, that maybe you've been convinced over the last few weeks that these would make us happy, these are not normal. Uh, this is not the way that if you click on Facebook and start to scroll, you're not going to see, oh, there's just so much of this on Facebook right now. Uh, if you go to your workplace, this might not be normal in your workplace. This might not be normal in your home. This is not the normal tide of culture. So therefore, if we decide, you know what? I, I'm with Jesus. I am going to try to live these things out of my life. Then what you will face is tension. And the word that Jesus uses for it is persecuted. Uh, here's how Jesus says it in this last uh, beatitude. Jesus says that blessed, uh, the happy people, the enviable people are the people who are persecuted. Uh, and real quick, I want to talk about that word persecuted for a second, because persecuted is a word that has like range to it. Uh, it it's a bit of a spectrum. Uh, because for many of us living here in Albany, New York, in America, uh, I believe that we are on some sort of a range where if you're following Jesus, you will face some sort of persecution. And we're going to talk about that today. But for many of us, here's what persecution will look like for us. Uh, here's what Jesus says uh, next in Matthew 5. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, uh, when they persecute you, and when they say all kinds of evil things because of me. For most of us, the, the, if we're really being persecuted, it'll be people that are saying things, that are insulting us, uh, that are doing something with our words, but our, our physical self will normally be okay. Uh, but I also don't want to discount that. That can be very, very difficult. Uh, some of you might remember, if you've been around for a while, and I see some uh, long-timers here, uh, we did a series, uh, I think like four or five years ago now, uh, called The Only One. And we went through a, a series, uh, a, a story in the Bible uh, through a guy named Daniel. Uh, and the interesting thing about Daniel was he was someone who believed in God in, in a country, in a world where no one else really did. He was kind of literally the only God follower around. And for some of you, that's exactly your story. Uh, when you go to work, you're like the only Jesus person in your work. Uh, for some of you, when you go to hang out with a certain group of friends, you're the only one who goes to church. You're the only one who believes in Jesus. Uh, for some of you, it's in your own home. Maybe it's when you go to your extended family. And there's a bit of, like, persecution that might come along with that. Sometimes they might jab you a little bit. They might give you a hard time because they just, they don't understand why you're making the decisions that you are in your life. And there's a part of it where they don't understand and they just, they give you a hard time about it. And that can be very, very difficult. Uh, but uh, with persecution, there's a spectrum. And so there's a, another side of persecution that is way more extreme, that is a very real thing, not in our country for the most part, but in other parts of the world. Uh, so here's some stats from a group called uh, Open Door. That in just the last year, uh, into 2020, into 2021, over 340 million Christians are living in places where they experience high levels of persecution or discrimination. And here's what that means by high level. 
that there was 4,761 Christians that have been killed for their faith, uh, that were murdered for no other reason besides the fact that they were diligent in following Jesus. Uh, there was 4,488 churches and other uh, Christian buildings that were attacked. Uh, there was 4,277 believers that were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or in prison. And this is a real thing. This is happening today in our world. And so one of the things that uh, I wanted to do as I was preparing for the sermon today is through the networks that our church has, through uh, the different groups that we support, uh, we know some people that are in countries like this. And so I got a chance last week to talk to one of our partners who lives in India, who this is like their day-to-day -day life. Uh, and such like a level of persecution where they live that like telling you that we have a partner in India is literally all I can tell you. Because if I were to give more details, there's such levels of persecution in these countries that they're, they're literally trolling the internet and maybe they would find our Christchurch Albany feed and it could lead to one of these things happening. So we have to be very, very careful about even when we talk about uh, who they are, what they are, uh, where they live. But one of the questions that I wanted to ask, uh, we had about an hour-long conversation last week, is I said, right, when you look at this beatitude, when you look at this idea of blessed be those who are persecuted, is that even, is that possible? Like, is there a way, like, can you tell me, can you, you know, can you look me in the eyes, we were on a Zoom call, and tell me that when you're actually experiencing these kind of things, is there a way that you can actually have joy? Is that even possible? Uh, and first thing he said, absolutely, yes. Uh, he actually said that uh, in his world, he doesn't see that he has been persecuted all that much. Uh, if all of us heard his story, we'd be like, you've been persecuted a lot. Uh, but he doesn't feel like he has because he knows people that have been persecuted so much more. And he said, when I look into the eyes of those people, I see more joy, I see more faith than I see in almost anyone else I know. Uh, here was uh, the actual uh, quote that he said. These people that he's seen in his life. Uh, you can go to the next one, Pam. Uh, he said that they have nothing in their homes. Some of these people, their, their homes have literally been burned down. They've lost everything. Uh, some of them have lost family members. They, they have nothing in their homes, but they have joy in their hearts. And so, like Craig prayed uh, earlier, the question that I had to ask is, yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, how? How is that even, like, remotely possible? I mean, I, I, I'm on Facebook. I see people complain and whine about things that are way less severe in their lives. How is it that you guys can be going through this much persecution and tension, and you can still have so much joy? Uh, and what I thought was really helpful about what he said is, one, he said, it's not that we love the persecution. It's not that like we're like, they're not like crazy people. They're not sadists. They're not like, okay, we're getting beaten. Someone got killed. This is awesome. Uh, what they did say, though, was that the reason of why we are being persecuted makes it worth it. Uh, here's how uh, Jesus uh, says it in this beatitude. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, which like we talked about the other day, is the idea of right living. They had this idea that this way that Jesus tells us to live is so good, is so right, that even if it's hard, even if it's really difficult, 
Even if it makes me lose things that I think are so valuable in my life, it is still such the right way to live that even when I'm being persecuted, I still have joy because it's the right way to live. Uh, and that's what we've been talking about through this whole series. Uh, we've called the series uh, Upside Down. And the idea is that we want to be living lives that are just counter-cultural from everybody else. And what some of you have known from different experiences in your life is that when you do something that is just kind of goes against the grain of everybody else, but you know you're doing it for the right reason, it might be some of those things like we saw on the list before, where it's like everyone else is, you know, eating themselves silly, but you're staying on a diet and it's hard, but you just believe it's the right way to go. You know, everyone else is, you know, taking big, crazy jobs, and you're saying no so you can focus on right relationships, and it's hard, but you just believe that it's right. Uh, there was an article uh, written, I think it's two years ago, uh, John Lewis, civil rights activist, congressman, uh, before he passed away, and they were asking him about the, the persecution that they faced when they were fighting for civil rights. And the word he used for it, some of you might have seen this before, is he called it good trouble. That there's a way in which you can like have trouble in your life that's like, this is hard, this is difficult, but this is right. And what these folks in India and what we want all of you to believe is that this way of Jesus, it might cost you money. It probably will. It might cost you opportunity. It might be difficult in some relationships. But even with that, the best way to live is not big, fancy houses. The big way, the right way to live is not everyone applauding for you and all your Facebook likes. The right way to live is actually, Jesus actually was telling us the best way to live. And when we have that right kind of living, it makes the tension, as hard as it might be, worth it. And we have joy in the process. Uh, again, here's how uh, Jesus said the whole thing. Uh, no, go back to that, Pam. Uh, he said, blessed happy, the happy people, are those who are persecuted, who face tension because of right living, because they're actually doing these things. For theirs is the kingdom of God. They are actually inheriting life as God intended. God wanted you to, God didn't want you to live life with such stress and anxiety and pressure that it, it's pretty obvious to a lot of us, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, that the way that the American life, the way that the current of culture is driving us doesn't actually make most people happy. But the way that life is intended happens when we do right living. Uh, so drill down a little bit more on this. Uh, I asked uh, the guy I was talking to uh, in India and has been looking at how the early church went through this and then just looking at my own uh, life. What does persecution really look like? Why is it that people are being persecuted? And there's lots of reasons of why people are persecuted, uh, but there, seems to always be this commonality of these two different things. And I think these are very important because for the most part, sometimes, some of you have seen this, Christians are just obnoxious. And the reason why people are giving them a hard time is just because they're obnoxious. Uh, or sometimes Christians get uh, kind of given a hard rap because Christians are trying to like push like their morality down on other people who have not accepted Jesus yet. And for the most part, that was not the first century's model. They absolutely had their own morality, but they, they wanted people to love Jesus. They, they, they were persecuted for a different reason. And here's the two main reasons of why people back then, people now in India and other countries, and maybe you today, are persecuted. Uh, the first is a radical inclusion. Uh, in the first century, 
This looked like there was a big racial system hierarchy where, you know, you had the Roman Empire and you had, you know, Caesar and the senators. And then you had, you know, Roman landowners and then Roman slaves. And then below that you had their people that they had conquered. And there was this whole kind of hierarchy. Uh, and then in Jewish world, you had... Oftentimes it was based off of religious life. And so there was priests and Pharisees and people that did most of the laws. And there's other people that are sinners, tax collectors. And there was a real hierarchy. And for the most part, there was huge divisions between this. Of like, if you're of this group, if you're of this racial group, don't even come to my house. Don't even talk to me. Uh, my, 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 my kids aren't going to marry kids who, who look like yours, who are part of yours. And so in the first century, you had these people that were just like, getting rid of all that. And they were all sitting at the same table together and eating together and, and seeing each other as equals. And the power structures in the first century just went nuts over it. Uh, when I was talking to uh, our friend in India, he told a story that when they launched one of their first projects a few years ago, uh, they had uh, these two women that were outside of the gate. And uh, the director came in and said, would you like to come in? Would you like your kids to be a part? And they said, you know, they didn't even really talk. They just kind of shook their head. And the director asked again, like, would you like to come in? And it's like, no, 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 we, we can't. You don't understand. We are, you know, India has the caste system. We are of the lowest of the lowest caste. You shouldn't even be speaking to us. And we are not worthy to come in and be given your aid. Our kids don't deserve, aren't even allowed to have an education that you're offering to give them. And the director put his arms around and said, no. You are absolutely as welcome as anybody else. And just bursting into tears, they walked in and got to see their kids be a part of an inclusive system for the first time in their life. But again, the, 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 the hierarchies and, and, the, and the people who have all the power to gain from these higher caste systems freak out. And they have big persecution because of it. Or maybe some of you. Uh, maybe if you uh, consider yourself to be, you know, kind of a, a white ally and maybe you've posted some things on Facebook over the last year or beyond, just letting you know that like, yeah, I, I'm with, I believe in the idea of Black Lives Matter. Uh, or maybe just if you're uh, someone of color and you've been pushing this for a long time of saying like, yeah, it's our lives actually matter. Or maybe if you've taken up the cause of refugees or maybe if you've taken up the cause of any group of people that unfortunately have been marginalized in our world and said, I'm not going to live by those rules. I bet you've gotten some pushback on Facebook when you posted it. <laughs> uh, I bet you have some folks in your family that think you've kind of jumped a bridge that's too far. And you're saying, no, 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 you can give me flack, but I'm going to be as inclusive as I possibly can. Uh, there's some, talked about forgiveness a few weeks ago, there's some members of your family that if you were in, to invite to the next family reunion, other people of your family don't want them there. And if you decided that you were going to be the inclusive person to offer forgiveness to that person, you might catch some flack. Uh, there's some folks that if you invited into your neighborhood, there's some folks that if you decided that you were going to be radically inclusive, there might be some pushback. But I would argue that it's good kind of trouble. It's good kind of uh, uh, persecution. Uh, the next thing uh, that they were often uh, persecuted for is by this idea that Jesus, not Caesar, is Lord. Uh, in the first century, obviously, Caesar, head of the Roman Empire, and he was seen as a god and minted on their coins. Uh, a normal phrase in the empire would have been this idea that Caesar is whatever Caesar wants, he gets. He wants you to go in the army, you're going to go in the army. Jesus wants you to do this with your money, you're going to do this with your money. Jesus says, here's who the most important, sorry, Caesar says, here's who the most important people are. Caesar's going to get whatever he wants. 
And one of the chief things that happened in the first century was there was a group of people who said, yeah, like, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll follow the laws that I can, but if there's ever a time where it's like Caesar's saying this and Jesus saying this and they, they collide and I can't do both, I'm going with the Jesus way of doing things. Uh, and this is the way it is in India. Uh, there's a lot of kind of Indian nationalist uh, world, uh, especially kind of tied in uh, sometimes wrongly uh, to the Hindu religion. And there's some things that go along with Indian cultural nationalism and some things along the, the Hindu faith that are really good things that go exactly along with Jesus. But there's other things where it's like, if I'm going to be a good cultural Indian and follow Jesus, I, I can't do both. And so I'm going to choose to, more than I follow the president of India, more than I follow the way the rest of my family and culture is going, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. And they hate it. And they persecute them for it. But it's right. And for many of us, uh, that's like maybe our number one thing that we feel tension over. Uh, the way that uh, I think about it in a lot of lives is that for most people, people are okay with the idea of following Jesus as long as Jesus is an also in your life. Uh, they're fine. Like if you want to be like, you know, like you're, I'm, a, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, uh, I'm a part of this team, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of this workforce. And like it, if you want like, if you want like in your spare time, if you want to follow Jesus, you know, I don't really care what you do on the weekend, you know, whatever you do in the privacy of your own home praying, I don't really care. But like when you're here, I need you to be 100% dedicated to what we're all about. And where it starts to become a rub is when Jesus becomes kind of Lord of all. When it becomes, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what. So I, I understand that like, yeah, we're all Democrats here and like this is what the Democrats believe in, but like that doesn't go with Jesus. And so I'm choosing Jesus over the Democratic agenda. Or I know we're all Republican here and here's what Republicans believe, but here's what Jesus says. And so I'm going to be more Jesus than I'm going to be Republican. I'm going to be more Jesus than I am with being a part of, I know this is how everyone does it in our family. But dad, mom, husband, I can't do it that way because Jesus is telling me to go a different way. And if you decide that you're going to put Jesus as the number one thing in your life and you're going to follow Jesus no matter what, then you're going to feel tension and you're going to feel pressure and it's going to be hard. But I would argue that it's good. It's good, good tension. Because here's what Jesus says uh, in this value. He says that the happy people, are not the people who are just cruising along on the lazy river, just letting culture take them wherever they want. But it's the people who say, I, I believe that there's a right way to live. There's a right way to live, and there's a wrong way to live. And I've decided that the, the right way is the way that Jesus teaches. And even if I'm persecuted because of that, I'm going to keep going because I want this. I want what the kingdom of God has to offer. I want to live in that reality, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. Uh, and lastly for today, and this will bring us into our time of communion, if you want to grab a cup here uh, or if you want to grab some stuff if you're at home. Uh, so much of what I love about Jesus and what I love about following Jesus, but one of the greatest things is that I believe Jesus is the greatest teacher of all time. Uh, and Jesus isn't the kind of a teacher who says, here's what you ought to do, and then just kind of like sits back. But Jesus is the kind of a, a God, a Savior, who actually models it for us who actually lives in this way with us. And we see that, uh, here's what it says in uh, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Uh, it says, consider him who endured such opposition. And if you read the gospels, 
Basically, from the moment he started his public ministry, he had opposition. Sometimes it was on the more moderate scale of just insults and words like what maybe we get. Eventually, it was in beating and death. But he did it so that you. You know why Jesus endured everything he did? It's because he wanted, he was hungry for right relationships. He wanted to put relationships above everything else so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, let's remember that Jesus who thought enough of you, who thought that the absolute best way to live was through opposition. Not because I'm sure he enjoyed it. He, he asked for the cross to go away, but because he believed that you and spending eternity with you and having you be able to experience the life of heaven right here on earth right now was worth anything if it meant that he got to have a relationship with you. And that can be true for all of us. And as we lean in to this way, this countercultural way of following Jesus. Uh, so let's together, let's take the bread. Let's remember this Jesus who had his body broken because of his love for you. And let's take the juice and remember the blood that he shed that was beaten out of him because of his love for you. And let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for giving us an option and an opportunity to be happy, to live the best way possible. But because of evil and because of sin and because it just, it's created a, a world where it's just sometimes feels so much easier to live a different way. And even though every one of us can give example after example of, of our own stories and other people's stories who have actually not found happiness and what the world swore was going to make them happy, it's just, it, it feels tough to walk the other way. And so help us to be people with your grace and your love to say, I'm going to follow after you. And like you pursued us and like you pursued the cross, Help us to have that same tenacity of following you so that we can experience your kingdom. And when we fail, and we all fail, help us to remember that you still love us. You are happy to help us come along and try to repent again and try to turn back against that current uh, tide of culture. And that you will forgive us our sins a million times because maybe that's maybe the worst opposition that you face is just our own bullheadedness against you. But you're not going to let that stop you, even to the point of you dying on the cross for us. We love you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, and a little bit as we talk about all this stuff, best way to move forward on this is not just to hear it, but if you want to move, believe into action, uh, we think it's best to do it in community. So uh, soon, actually, probably already, you've gotten an email. And so uh, we encourage you to, there's some questions in there. Spend some time talking to someone else about how you can be a part of that. Uh,